Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. morning, we're continuing our journey through, through Jonah. Um, I, I frequently like to preach from the lectionary. Um, if you've never heard of the lectionary, uh, it's a three-year cycle through scriptures um, that, that kind of helps us to, to hit a lot of the different stories through, through the, the continuity of the whole story of scripture. Um, and so to kind of keep us connected to that, we've used the gospel reading um, for our, our scripture text, our, our reading text. So today was a little odd. We had John the Baptist getting beheaded. We're not talking about that. That's the gospel text for the week. Um, but it's kind of, if you wondered where these random texts were coming from, it, I, I kind of wanted to just stay anchored in, in the lectionary cycle. So uh, we're in the middle of year B. Year B sticks with the gospel of, of Mark. Uh, year A is Matthew, year B is Mark, year C is Luke. So if you wondered where that random scripture reading came from, that's, that's where we were at. But for this summer, for uh, these, uh, there's six weeks here, we're on week number five, we're working through the story of Jonah. Um, and, and certainly Jonah has been uh, fun to go through. Uh, I've said before, it's a, it's a short book. You can read through it in about eight to ten minutes, to, depending on your reading speed. Some of you have taken up that challenge to read it at least from chapter one to chapter four in one sitting. Um, and I encourage you to do that. Uh, an incredible story. But we've been looking at it through the lens uh, of our annual theme, becoming new, transformation. How does God want to transform us? And how are the people uh, and the groups of people in the story of Jonah transformed? Uh, and it's, it's been fun. Um, today we're, we're moving to a, an excruciatingly short passage of Scripture. Um, follow, we, we follow Jonah here through three chapters. Um, he finally got to Nineveh last week, the place where God had called him to go, uh, and finally did what prophets are known for, right? Prophets are known for, for having a message from God and delivering that message. In Jonah, it's recorded as a total of nine words. <laughs> he didn't have much to say. Uh, there wasn't a lot of hope given in those nine words, um, but, but he was able to, to accomplish what God had given him to do. Get up and go and preach to the people of Nineveh. And he, and he did that in chapter 3. And, and we saw this unexpected responsiveness from Nineveh. You'll, re, you'll recall Nineveh is associated with Assyria. Assyria was Israel's enemy. This was not the people of God. Israel was the people of God. And Assyria liked to pick on Israel. They liked to come down, swoop in, and attack Jonah, I think, probably struggled because he didn't want to go there and didn't want to minister to these people. But when he did, it says the people were humbled. The people were penitent. 
They repented. They turned from their evil ways, and it says the city was saved. Good job, Jonah. What should we expect from this prophet, this man of God, after such a dramatic transformation in the people of Nineveh? Well, we get to hear that today. We're only going to read three verses, um, Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word as we listen to the response of Jonah after this incredibly successful (laughs) prophetic message to the people of Nineveh. Reading from Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. But Jonah thought this was utterly wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, come on, Lord. Wasn't this precisely my point when I was back in my own land? This is why I fled to Tarshish earlier. I know that you are a merciful and compassionate God, very patient, full of faithful love, and willing not to destroy. At this point, Lord, you may as well take my life from me because it would be better for me to die than to live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. What a response from Jonah. I think Jonah has an attitude problem. If I were Jonah's parent, I might say that. Jonah, come on. This is your response to this incredible turnaround, this incredible outcome from being faithful to God. And this is what you say. Have you ever experienced one of those watershed moments where you finally and completely see the heart of a person revealed? Uh, I like to watch movies, uh, TV shows, good mysteries or, or criminal, criminal movies are often written and built that way, right? So you go through this story and, and there's an unsolved mystery or, or there's a crime that's been taken place or, or a murder has happened, right? And there's something to be solved and there's several characters that are, that are working to figure this out. And usually you're introduced to someone very early on who seems very helpful, very willing to cooperate and try to find a solution to solve the mystery or to solve the crime. And at the very end comes the twist. And someone who, who had been involved all along winds up to be the one who's the guilty party, right? That's the safe and the fun example. How many times have we been learned or, or shocked to learn of the behavior that reveals a dark or a broken side of a person. Maybe in a business deal. Maybe in a willingness to cut corners or to cheat the system. Or maybe some traumatic event happens and he or she crosses some line and their behavior changes dramatically. And it can be disorienting, confusing even, really. You thought this person was this. And something happens, a switch is flipped, and you realize and you see the reality of who the person is. This is that moment for Jonah, an incredible moment for this prophet of God, this man of God, in this moment where he is able to rejoice in the goodness of God and the redemption of God, and the work of God in the lives of the people. In this moment, he had a chance to celebrate. What does Jonah do? 
Scripture is pretty clear. He gets he gets angry. It says that in in the in the Hebrew it says it was a great evil to Jonah. What happened? What he saw? What he witnessed? He considered to be a great evil. Common English translates it utterly wrong. This is utterly wrong to Jonah. How could you do this? And he says this. This is exactly what I was afraid of. You know, back in, back in verse 1, back in verse 1 where he chose to say, ah, God, I don't have to get up. Ah, God, I don't really want to go. Ah, I don't want to go preach to, to Nineveh. He ran. This is why I ran, he said. This is what caused me to go down to Joppa, down to the port, down to the ship. He went down in the ship, fell asleep. He had the sailors throw him down into the ocean, and the great fish swallowed him up and took him to the base of the undersea mountains. This is exactly why I did this, God. Jonah proceeds to give this amazing account of God, right? Lord, I knew you were merciful. I knew you were compassionate, full of patience, full of faithful love. This is why I had to go to Joppa. This is why I was on the next plane to Tarshish. Jonah shows in this moment his knowledge of Yahweh the knowledge of of who God was. He recounted the character of God. In fact, he uses very similar language to uh, what we find in Exodus chapter 34. Um, In Exodus 34, God had given the Ten Commandments to to Moses, and the Israelites had, had gotten bored. It was taking too long. And so they said, give us something that we can worship he, to, to the other leaders in, in the Israelite camp. He said, give us something to worship because Moses went up on the mountain. He's taken too long. And so they, they made this golden calf. And Yahweh had been furious, right? Moses got mad too. Yet Moses pleaded for compassion to the Lord. Moses had prepared another set of stone tablets as prescribed by God and, and ventured up Mount Sinai. And it says this, the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, this is the Lord to Moses, says the Lord, the Lord, a God who is compassionate and merciful, very patient, full of great loyalty and faithfulness, showing great loyalty to a thousand generations. Jonah knew this. This is like, this is almost creedal for the, for the people of Israel. This was their story. This was their Exodus story. This is what had gotten them to the promised land in Israel. This is how they had come to the patch of land that Jerusalem was contained in. And given them their national identity, this was their story. This was the foundational story of the nation of Israel being created. And Jonah knew it. And Jonah knew Yahweh and the grace of God. (laughs) And he says, it was this knowledge. I I, I knew how good you were, God. It was that knowledge. And Jonah's disdain for Nineveh that drove him down, sent him to the depths, swallowed by the great fish. And now his greatest fear had come to pass. They were saved. 
Because people who didn't deserve it were saved. I knew you were like this, God. Gosh. The wrath of God was turned away, and Jonah has this great (laughs) faithful response. I'd rather die just in my life, God. Do you have that dramatic friend? Ah, might as well die. Jonah knew the character of God. God was consistent, not just with Jonah, but with the Ninevites and was merciful. And Jonah's, Jonah gets all the way through this very logical procession and just says, ah, I wish I was just dead. I want to die. Come on, Jonah. Come on. One of the things I like to do as I preach is, is just ask a simple question. I, I've stole this, but I like to ask the question, what's, what's wrong in the text? Where's the problem in the text? Here's the thing. We could do, I only could do three verses and I had plenty of problems to deal with, (laughs) with Jonah's response. This list is growing really fast. Let me start with the first problem that I noticed. We tend to like the grace of God for ourselves and the wrath of God for the others. We tend to like the grace of God for ourselves. And we tend to like the wrath of God for whoever the others are. The insiders get grace. The outsiders get judgment. The the disciples get love. The infidels get justice. It's been going on for centuries. (laughs) Millennia, according to the Bible. And it happens today. Right? Look at the variety of these messages. Look at the difference, the contrast. This is what he said to Nineveh. Just 40 days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. God's coming. He's got your number. He'll show you. We don't know that that was all of Jonah's message. But that's what's recorded. Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. And what does he say as he describes God? He says, I know that you're a merciful and compassionate God, very patient, full of faithful love, and willing not to destroy. We tend to like one of those messages for ourselves and the other message for the other. It happens today. Folks who I don't understand, folks I disagree with, folks who who don't look like me, folks who don't vote like me, folks that I disagree with strongly. We tend to like the grace of God for us and the wrath of God for the other. I I needed to take time this week. I needed to take time as I encountered this problem and, and identify my Ninevehs. Identify my others, those, those groups of people that, that I've lost respect for. That, that I tend to lose my recognition of their humanness. The people for whom I, I tend to forget that, yes, they deserve the love of God, the faithful love of God, the patience of God, the mercy and the compassion of God. Because when I lose that respect, they turn into Nineveh for me. 
We can literally desire their destruction, desire their demise, their undoing. Um, and, and it's really easy to do it in mass. It's harder to look at a person and feel that way. But when I look at a group of people or a label and say, oh, those people, hmm, it's a lot easier in that context. Just as I've processed my own journey, I, I couldn't come up with one single name that I felt that way about. But groups of people, it's easier to turn into Nineveh's. Just as, a, as, as you go through your week this week and get to do what I got to do last week, it tends to work more commonly that way. It's a problem that's pervasive in the world. It's happening all around us. And certainly the church is not immune to that. We should be better, church. Amen? Can we agree on that, that we should be better? That we should look at Jonah and say, there's a lesson for us here to be transformed, to understand who we are. We are the people who God has trusted to see the world through a better lens, with a different perspective. When we see the world that way, we're not living. When we, when we see the world the way Jonah saw the world, we're not living transformed lives. We're not part of God's new creation and, and the work that God is doing in the world. So problem number two comes along too, uh, this death wish. This, ah, man, I'd rather die. I can't believe this. It's so self-centered. <laughs> so self-centered. It's like God went and saved Nineveh, and Jonah's like, it's all about me. Gosh. <sighs> How could this happen to me? He's the only person that matters in his worldview. That a whole city, a whole great city, a whole great foreign city, a whole great foreign city full of people who knew nothing about Yahweh were saved. And Jonah says, oh, this is just so awful for me. I wish I was dead. This is horrible. We see his worldview in chapter 1 when God says, get up and go and, and preach the word to Nineveh. We see he's kind of just self-centered and caught up in his own little world. But we see the degree of severity in chapter 4. I should just, just die. I struggle sometimes to have this selfish, self-oriented view of the world and everything that's going on. And I, and I allow myself to get a little dramatic at times. Maybe I'm the only one. I suspect not. I was captured by the realization of a third problem. Um, and and the, the third problem that I think we encounter as we look at Jonah in this place is that we tend to fight true and radical transformation. We tend to fight it in our own lives. We, sometimes God transforms us. Remember at the end of chapter 2 when he's stuck in the belly of the well and he cries out to God and says, save me, I've got nothing left. You're, you're, I know who you are. God, save me. I've got, I've got nowhere else to turn. I'm at the base of the mountains at the bottom of the sea. I've got nowhere else to turn. 
And it's like we see this glimmer of hope. It's like we see this light bulb flicker on for a moment. And Jonah turns his attention to God and says, save me, help me, rescue me, fulfill your promises to be there when I need you most. And we think, maybe Jonah understands. Maybe he, maybe he gets it. Sometimes in our lives where God begins to transform us, we have this tendency to kind of snap back to where we were before. Like it's easy to go back. It's easy to, to try really hard for a while. Jonah had this moment. He was faithful to God. He was off to do what God had wanted. And we said, maybe Jonah understands. But oftentimes it's just this moment, this one-time thing. Instead, this, this transformative journey that I think God has invited us on it is meant to be this, this steady, continuous, lifelong, process-based journey where we continue to grow. And, and don't you wish it was, was a straight line? <laughs> like we just continue to grow. But I think sometimes we're like Jonah, where God changes us, and then, and then we slip back. And then we grow a little more, and we, and we slip back. I think the people of God are the people who say, I choose to grow, even through the hard stuff, even when I slip back, even when I mess up. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to remain open to how God wants to continue to shape me and to grow me. I thought about this um, earlier in the week. If we could rewrite the story of Jonah, how would you rewrite it? If you could rewrite chapter four, let, let's leave one through three alone. Nineveh is saved. How do we rewrite that chapter? I want to see Jonah move to Nineveh. I want him to become like resident missionary, right? And he moves in, he says, let me tell you about this God who has mercy, who is full of compassion, who loves you completely. He's like resident theologian. Like, yeah, you got all those gods. No, let's ignore those for a while. Let me tell you about Yahweh. Or, or maybe Jonah says, you guys are doing great. Fantastic, nice job. Keep learning. He gets back to Israel and he says, guys, guys, you'll never believe what happened. I went to Nineveh. I showed up. And his buddies be like, that's so awesome. That's so cool. Let's listen. Where does God want us to go next? Take me with you next time. Jonah says, I wish I was dead. My heart breaks a little bit. Mostly it breaks because I see me. And some of the problems, some of the ways that God says, come on, Freebird, <laughs> get it together. I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up. As I do, I'm going to invite us all into this transformative journey where we see God call us to things and we step into those moments ready for God to do amazing things. And when he does we say, this is the God that I know. 
This is the God that I know. I know you are merciful and compassionate God, very patient, full of faithful love. This is exactly what I expected. We live in a world that, that wants lightning bolts, right? Instant gratification. I have my phone and I can look up anything on the internet. Thank you, Google, right? Today, I'm glad for process. I'm glad for this gradual journey that Jonah models for us, that we can take growth and we can slip back, that, that, we, can, that we can be transformed and then sometimes slip back into old habits. Jonah was labeled a prophet. This story made the book. <laughs> Even through all of Jonah's mistakes, this is scripture for us and becomes our guide. In the midst of Jonah's story, we see this back and forth. We see it in Jonah. God had helped Jonah saved him from the pit of the sea. Jonah was happy, decided to obey the call of God. And when God does that for Nineveh, when Jonah's sent down into this tailspin, my prayer today, Lord, help us in those transformational moments. Help, help me to embrace them and to allow them to set in and make me new. Make me new today, part of God's new reality for my life. May that be our collective prayer today. Let's pray and we'll sing. God, thank you today for Jonah. <laughs> thank you that he, he, he appears so human. He, he appears so much like me in a lot of ways. that you've invited us to this great and grand adventure, this journey of faith. And sometimes we step up and other times we slide back. Yet may we be faithful to always make ourselves available to the call of God on our lives. And when we do, help us to recognize it. Help us to step into that, giving you glory, giving you credit, giving you praise. For you are the source of our transformation. You are what set us free. You are what bring about new creation in this world and in our lives. And we say today, even though we're not 100% at it, we say today, may we participate. May Sign me up. I want to be a part of what you're doing. Maybe today there's, there's someone who says, you know what, I... I can identify those groups of people that, that feel like Ninevites, that I struggle to want the grace of God for. Like you challenged me with this week, I pray for a tender heart, a softening of a heart for people today and this week as they consider that question. Help us to not exclude the grace of God, to not forget who you are for any group of people, even the ones that we just can't find common ground with. 
common ground is not a requirement for the grace of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand to receive the, the benediction this morning? Uh, I invite you to extend your hands as a physical reminder that this is a prayer and a promise for you today, this benediction. Now, all glory to God, who is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by his power at work within us. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and always. Amen. Amen. Go on in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church of the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us, and have a great week.